Welcome to Men's Health Matters with Dr. Tom Walsh, Director of the University of Washington's Men's Health Center and Associate Professor of Urology at UW, featuring important topics dealing with men's health, including prostate cancer and erectile dysfunction. Now, here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome to another edition of Men's Health Matters, coming to you from the iHeart Studios in Seattle. My co-host is Dr. Tom Walsh, director of the University of Washington's Men's Health Center, a surgeon, professor, and staunch advocate for matters that deal with men's health. Men's health matters now more than ever, and it matters in, gosh, so many ways. It matters to you first and foremost, but it also matters to your family and your friends. Now, in this edition of Men's Health Matters, we're going to present Men's Health 101, what it is, why it matters, how to overcome the challenges, and how to hopefully live a better, longer, and healthier life. We're going to discuss the common concerns for men, including erectile dysfunction, plus various types of cancers that affect men, including colon, skin, and prostate cancer. We'll also talk about how African-American males are more at risk for certain diseases. Our guest in this edition of Men's Health Matters, Dr. Hunter Wessels. He's the chair of the Department of Urology at the University of Washington, and he's president of the UW Physicians as well. We're going to discuss a recent study, by the way, from the CDC, which indicates that men are dying younger, younger than ever. And what's up with that and why? Good to see you again, Dr. Walsh, and good to be back in the studio. Oh my gosh, Neil, it's great to see you, and it is so much fun to be back in the studio. You know, you and I have been recording these uh, programs from my office at mm-hmm. the UW Men's Health Center, and there's something about the ambiance of the studio, so it's it's nice to be here. We have a lot to cover today, Dr. Walsh. As we do with each episode of Men's Health Matters, we answer your questions, you the listener, submitted anonymously at menshealthmatters at iheartmedia.com. We take questions from listeners, questions found in the Men's Health Matters anonymous inbox. Now, this is an opportunity to send questions anonymously on any subject relating to men's health. And uh, perhaps even Dr. Wessels can chime in with some information on these questions. 100%. We begin this month with an email from Bill from Seattle. He said, first of all, I'm so glad you're back on the air. I've missed listening to you. My question is about testosterone. Does it prevent erectile dysfunction and actually help someone to function better? What exactly is the role of testosterone and is it dangerous to take? And what about the side effects? Well, Bill, uh, great question, and I definitely want to get the input f- from my colleague, Dr. Mm-hmm. Wessels. Testosterone is a great primer to this episode of Men's Health Matters, which testosterone is an anabolic steroid that is produced in the male testes. It is required for a lot of just normal function. There are many parts of the male body that have very dense linkage to testosterone, like our muscles, our hair follicles, our sweat glands, our genitalia, and our reproductive organs, the testes themselves. Your question is about, does testosterone prevent erectile dysfunction? The answer is no. Testosterone, as a normal male sex hormone, helps maintain the health, vitality, and some of the function of the male penis and allows us to procreate. It turns out that when you take away testosterone, erectile dysfunction doesn't necessarily ensue. 
And if you take men who have erectile dysfunction or on, on the way to having erectile dysfunction, if you give them testosterone, their erections just don't automatically come back. It's true that it can play a role, but it's not the greatest treatment as a protective measure against ED. And there are other great medicines that maybe we'll hit on later today that probably do treat ED quite well. Dr. Wessels? What I'd add is that testosterone may not prevent ED or reverse ED, but it is part of the total normal functioning of the human sexual response. Mm. So we're not just talking about erections. We should be thinking about desire and um, ejaculation and orgasm. And in order to have a fully functional system, I think testosterone is really helpful. Absolutely important point. And, and the one thing the studies have shown, and we know this from a lot of these recent testosterone trials, is that testosterone, when you give it to a man who's deficient, does improve sexual quality of life. So it, it may not always improve erectile function, but it does improve quality of life. Frank from Edmonds, I just read a story about a study indicating that those who were prescribed Viagra and similar medications were 18% less likely to develop the most common form of dementia years later more so than those who went without the drugs. If I took Viagra as a prevention against Alzheimer's, which runs in my family, well, I walk around with an erection all the time. Look, I, I love this. I love this question and I love this study. I got to be totally honest with you. When I heard the question, I immediately had to do my own research because I, I wasn't familiar with it. But this is a study that's based out of the United Kingdom, you know, across the pond, essentially harnessing data from a national database. And it's based upon the hypothesis that when men take Viagra, it's been shown in other studies that they improve blood flow to their brain. It makes sense, right? This is, and, and I mean their, their real brain, you know, their, the brain that's between their shoulders. And this makes sense, right? These drugs are designed to improve the hydraulics of erections. So it follows that they improve the hydraulics to the brain. And so the idea is if we're giving better blood flow to the brain, could we allow it to repair better, stay younger, longer, prevent Alzheimer's disease? So what, what these investigators do is, is they found about half a million men with a new diagnosis of ED, and then they looked to see subsequent to that which ones got treated with Viagra or the like, and then which ones went on to, to develop Alzheimer's. And they found a protective effect amongst those who were taking Viagra. Now, does that mean you should go out and take Viagra in hopes it's going to prevent Alzheimer's? Probably not. There's a lot of things that could confound this, right? There are some biases. Maybe the men who were taking Viagra were already more healthy, already more prone to sexual activity. I like the hypothesis. It doesn't tell us about causation or protection, really, but it's a really novel idea, and maybe it requires more study, and I, I want to know what Hunter thinks. The, the man who's taking the Viagra is more healthy, more active, and so he will be less likely to be developing dementia, whereas the one who is less active, less healthy, less able to be sexually active, probably there are other risk factors involved. Right, because, you know, those guys who aren't seeking Viagra, maybe they have early dementia already. No one's noticed it, mm. but the first thing they're experiencing is a loss of their sexual desire. So we have to be careful how we interpret this. But again, I, I like it. I think it's interesting research, certainly captivated a lot of audiences, and there's better ways to find the answer in the future. You know, we see a drop-off in the use of Viagra and sexual activity as men get into their 80s and 90s. And and it, there are a lot of factors going on there, you know, partners, overall health. And so 
it just gets to how complicated it is. And when you see the statistics about the percentage of men with ED, you have to read it very carefully. Tyler from Bellevue uh, has written in and says, I'm a 42-year-old gay black man. Are there certain diseases that a man of my age, ethnic background, and sexual orientation should be concerned about? Great question. Hunter, can you take that one? Yeah, I think there are about three or four different levels that you need to think about this one. Um, a, a black man in his 40s, you definitely would want to understand their uh, family history of other cancers because black men are at higher risk for prostate cancer and more aggressive prostate cancer. So that's number one. Second, obviously, gay men are potentially at the same risk as heterosexual men for sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, what I would say is that there are just the demographic of being a 40-year-old man uh, regardless of race, regardless of sexual orientation, your number one risk factor is cardiovascular disease, uh, point blank. While your demographics don't specifically put you at risk, it's the number one thing you need to think about in terms of how you're engaging in cardiovascular exercise, diet, and other health maintenance things. And you are equally at risk for colon cancer. So you are now approaching the age of colon cancer screening, which just a few years back changed from age 50 to age 45. This gets to the idea of the men's health checklist, that at every age range, there are certain conditions that you should be focused on. Men in their 40s are starting to think about cancer, as Dr. Walsh points out, but they're still in an age range where other things are really important. Mental health, sexually transmitted infections, and the like. Almost everything. Cancer rates. Uh, we talked about prostate and colon cancer. We think about other things. Think about heart disease. We think about mental health. You know, we know that men in their 40s, you know, have high rates of depression and that successful suicide attempts are higher among men compared to women. Motor vehicle collisions. <laughs> 75% of motor vehicle collisions were male associated. And I don't know if that's... That sounds about right. Does it our, really? From working at our trauma center, there's a heavy male preponderance for all types of trauma. And it probably gets to risk-taking behavior, Yeah, mm. uh, whether it's use of drugs or alcohol and driving or the speed you're driving. Yeah. And it's true for handguns and other things, which you wouldn't be surprised. Remember, you can send an anonymous email on any health issue to Men's Health Matters at iHeartMedia.com. We will not retain or share your email address. This is 100% anonymous. Once again, the email address, Men's Health Matters at iHeartMedia.com. Our guest in this edition of Men's Health Matters, Dr. Hunter Wessels. He's the chair of the UW Department of Urology, president of the University of Washington Physicians, a board certified physician at the Urology Clinic at Harborview and the Men's Health Clinic at UWMC Roosevelt. He's also a UW professor of urology, an adjunct professor of surgery, and he has been with us before. And gosh, Tom, it's great to have him back again. Love it. It really is. Uh, Dr. Wessel, what are the three things that men need to know about their health and what do they need to do about it? Well, men need to know that there are phases of their life where their risk for certain conditions are higher. There's no period in your life where you really should be out of touch with your health and the medical system. 
whether you're a teenager where you may have higher risks of mental health disorders, risk-taking behaviors that we just discussed, or a 90-year-old, you need to know that there's certain things you got to pay attention to. And then I think another thing is you need to take advantage of the interactions you do have with the medical system. There's something called the Viagra visit. You know, the man comes in <laughs> and we try and take advantage of it as well. And when a man comes in with any problem, we should try and be more comprehensive. And so that man coming in should should try and develop an agenda so that they get the most out of their visit with a physician. Yeah, right. I, You know, this is the premise of a place like the Men's Health Center, right? Which is that we know that at almost every single age category that women tend to access health care better and more often than, than men. Uh, so the Men's Health Center is about that Viagra visit, right? It's about capitalizing on that moment to just educate and plug into healthcare. I think the last thing I'd say is that a lot of the things that affect men are silent. And so you are not waiting for symptoms. That's why the visit with the physician, the primary care provider matters, because a lot of the things on the checklist will have no symptoms and someone's got to be on the lookout for them. Men are dying younger. There's that study from the CDC, Dr. Walsh. Talk about that. I am aware of death of mortality statistics, which suggests that the average age of death for a U.S. male is about age 73, whereas it's about age 79 for women. So that, if you think about that difference, that's a relatively Mm. profound difference, right? That is occurring across a broad age spectrum. So while that is the age of death, there are a lot of things that contribute to that lowering, whether it's cancer, higher mortality rates from cancer, whether it's heart disease or some of the other risk-taking behaviors that we talked about. Dr. Wessels, what are the biggest barriers to men seeking regular medical care? I mean, things as simple as an annual physical. It's harder to get men in. We think one of the reasons is there's this gap that happens after young men graduate from high school. They have no direct need for ongoing care, whereas women are often transitioning to care of a obstetrician if they're thinking about family planning, And so that's one thing. There's this gap when men are pretty healthy and they don't have any of those symptoms, and then they get out of the habit. Mm. Men are in the workforce. Many of them are employed. They'll have employer-based insurance. So I don't think it's just a matter of access to covered benefits. I so, think it's, so it's not like they don't have the capacity to go. It's not like they uh, don't have the same benefits of women. They just aren't going. And like you said, a lot of the things that affect men in those 20s, 30s, 40s, they're silent. Well, I, I'm just curious, what would be on your top three of things that are affecting men in those age categories? Well, testicular cancer is one. It's pretty rare, but it's surprising, or maybe it's not surprising. There are a number of men who come in and they've had it for months. They have a lump in their testicle and they aren't doing anything about it. Why? Because they're worried about what it's going to be. And so there's a lot of delay Uh, This has been studied by anthropologists here at the University of Washington, the idea of masculinities and what's driving some of this behavior. Some of it's sort of that very fundamental drive to provide for your family and be the source of strength. And so it's kind of wired into the DNA of a lot of men to just keep forging on. I think there's a little bit of this idea that if it's not bothering you now, you just can ignore it for the future. I'm thinking of something just like high blood pressure or sometimes even things like type 2 diabetes where, you know, it's sort of smoldering underneath all the time. An ounce of prevention, you know, goes such a long way. Whereas 
you know, you have to think about your 50, your 60, your 70-year-old self. And I think sometimes we don't make that leap. This idea that I could exercise more or take a pill today and then not experience that heart attack in 25 years. I think that that's the leap that we need to make. And so those are the bigger things to be concerned about even more than the testicular tumor, which is quite rare. It's the blood pressure, the hemoglobin A1C, and the cholesterol. And some people say, well, my primary provider is just doing a checklist, but that's just it. You know, you come in and you get everything done and and that's how you pick up type 2 diabetes, which can be silent for five to seven years before it becomes symptomatic, but do a lot of damage underneath. You talk about this idea of, you know, the discounting of the checklist, but that's how we do the safest things, right? Mm-hmm. That's before the airplane takes off. Yeah. You run the checklist. And so that's exactly what I want my doctor to do or my healthcare provider. I I want to run the checklist. I want them to match up my age with the person in front of them and say, well, this is what you're due for. Let's take a step back and talk about going to the doctor, finding a doctor, a man who does not have a doctor. How do you find the right doctor? How do you shop, if you will, for a doctor? Well, look, I think that there are... uh, First of all, we're in the city of Seattle, which is a phenomenal city for healthcare. We have a number of remarkable healthcare organizations, and we also have a highly insured uh, population, so people with great access to care and great institutions. Obviously, I I bleed purple and gold. You know, I love the UW Medicine system, and I tell everyone I, the, the number to call and get a primary care appointment. It's 206-520-5000. But listen, Talk to your friend, talk to your partner, ask your buddy at work, who's their doctor? Where do they go? Does your employer have a clinic on site? Some employers do. There are many great ways to find a provider. Sometimes it's just a matter of looking on the back of your insurance card or you go online, you see what clinic is close to your home, close to your work. Make going to the doctor as easy as possible for you so that it's not a burden. And when things go wrong, they're right there for you. Our guest this month on Men's Health Matters is Dr. Hunter Wessels. He is the president of the University of Washington Physicians. He's a surgeon and professor at the UW, and we're going to take a short time out. We will be back in just 60 seconds. When you hear erectile dysfunction, you probably think of the blue pill. Erectile dysfunction is a male health problem with many treatment options. It's very important that you know your options and consult a urologist specializing in erectile dysfunction treatments. Visit us at edcure.org or call 206 206- 222-0323 to get more information. If pills and injections haven't worked for you, a board-certified urologist can help. With just an outpatient procedure, they can restore your ability to be intimate whenever, wherever, and for however long you want. It's spontaneous, confident, drug-free, with no side effects or ongoing costs. Visit us at edcure.org or call 206-222-0323 to get more information. Again, that's edcure.org or call 206-222-0323 for more information. Sponsored by Boston Scientific. We are back on Men's Health Matters. I'm Neil Scott. My co-host is the director of the UW Men's Health Center, Dr. Tom Walsh, as we continue our visit with Dr. Hunter Wessels. He is the chair of the Department of Urology at the University of Washington. You know, COVID has certainly been detrimental to to society and, and men in particular. But one of the things that has come out of that, which to me seems like a good thing, has been telehealth, which perhaps would give men an opportunity to have some privacy and, and visit 
visit with a doctor on their own terms. Talk a little bit about telehealth and how it's impacted the last couple of years and and what the future might hold. Yeah, great, great question. And, uh, you know, if ever there was a glass half full as it came to COVID, it would sort of be this idea of opening up access to care through telehealth. And we know that people accessing healthcare remotely, the pace at which that was adopted was massively expedited in this environment where everyone was concerned about infection. And and a lot of that has stayed. While we're seeing patients in person, we certainly have pivoted to provide a lot of care by telemedicine. Here in the Pacific Northwest is really special, right? We have this region where Seattle is a hub of some really unique healthcare, including places like the Men's Health Center. This allows people in much more distant locations to access us. But there's another kind of distance too, right? Which is just that distance of fear or that inertia of not going to see the doctor. Telemedicine helps us bridge that too. Mm. This idea of, you know, I can just make an appointment. I can go online and make an appointment and be in the comfort of my own home, share what I look like or not, and really engage and learn about my health and figure out what next steps are. And sometimes when you can do that, then you're ready for the next step of actually coming in, maybe having a physical exam, maybe addressing something that's been a worry for you for a long time. Dr. Wessels? Well, the interesting thing is that you can do a lot more with telemedicine, telehealth than you would think because you can tie into their labs, you can order imaging studies. For example, the treatment of kidney stones, which are very common in men in the working age, we can do almost all of that remotely. Get a CAT scan, do a telehealth, we can come up with an entire plan. And similarly, even for some men's health issues, because we can use ultrasounds to image parts of the body that are very private, get some information even before the patient walks in the door. There are a couple things about telemedicine that can be challenging. We think of Seattle as being so wired, but some of our patients are out in the areas of the state and region where the broadband access is very limited. Mm. And I have patients who basically still have to use the phone because they don't have enough broadband access to uh, do a video visit. There are some other questions about whether all individuals of different races and ethnicities are using telemedicine as much as the rest of the population. So we're actually doing some work at UW Medicine to try and study that and say, okay, what are the barriers and how can we encourage greater adoption by some of our most vulnerable populations. What about confidentiality? Well, the platforms uh, that most telemedicine services, whether you're going to Kaiser or UW, are embedded into the electronic health record. So it's not some random Zoom account that's running. It's within a very highly protected environment. And Dr. Walsh and I have to log into our electronic record with two-factor verifications And I think it's kind of like TSA. You know, once you get beyond the barrier, it's one of the safest places you can be. So, yeah, and I think it's important to realize that these telemedicine visits are occurring in physically private spaces too, right? So in the same way I sit in a private clinic room with my patients and I talk with them and I examine them, I'm also sitting in an equally private space to conduct a video visit with them. The only person who can hear what they're saying is me or whoever else they've authorized to be there. And for the patient, he can also do it from anywhere, including their car, their office, their home, their bathroom, wherever. And that's absolutely true. And I think I've had a patient in every single one of those. I tell all my patients, listen, I'm so glad that you're here, but you're going to have to pull that car off the road. You know, I, I, I... 
we're going to talk about some special things and I don't want you to be distracted while you're driving. So we have to promote safety as well. You know, we talked about these statistics of motor vehicle collisions and risk-taking behaviors. So this is a great opportunity in telemedicine for me to say, yeah, let's do telemedicine, but let's make sure we do it safely. The other thing that this reminds me of, Neil, too, is that the vast majority of what I do during a visit or a consultation with a patient is I listen, I hear their story, and the vast majority of the time, this is what's going to tell me what's wrong. And that just speaks to the power of telemedicine, that we can do so much just by listening, hearing a story, maybe trying a therapy and coming back, and then teaching. All of that can be done within that platform. I would never undermine the importance of physicality and touch and the physical exam and some of the technologies we have. But it remains true today that the majority of what we do is we listen and we talk. Before we wrap things up, what advice can you give to men who want to take better care of themselves? Start today. You know, make, start with a plan. Um, You're never too young and you're never too old. And there are some cornerstones of good health. It's not just about seeing your doctor or your healthcare provider. To the extent that you are able, be active. Make a plan for physical activity. There's new data released by the American Heart Association suggesting that we should be physically active, elevating our heart rate 150 minutes per week. Think about how much time that is. It's a fraction of your existence. It's one of those things that we just have to do to the extent that we're capable. And if you can't do 150 minutes, Start small. Start with 30 minutes and work your way up. Do make an appointment to do some routine and critical screenings. There are some things that you can't do yourself. You cannot screen yourself for colon cancer. You generally are not good at screening your blood pressure or your blood sugar. But these are critically important things that have far-reaching consequences for you. And when those creeping, nagging things like a lump or a bump whether it's in your private areas or some other area, when those things rear their ugly head or you're struggling in the bedroom or you're thinking about planning a family, come in and be evaluated. These are great opportunities to get you not only evaluated, but to bring you into the fold of healthcare and planning for the future. So these are just a few things, easy things you can do, and you could start today. Dr. Wessels? I think being informed and getting something on the refrigerator or on your phone that could remind you to think about the different phases of life, their risks all along. But great opportunities, as Dr. Walsh says, to uh, take some ownership. And ownership can be pretty straightforward. Don't ignore it. Don't be silent. Talk to someone else, whether it's a friend or colleague or Mm. a healthcare provider. I just want to say, Neil, you know, Because I've been there before, so I speak from a patient perspective too. It's really frightening sometimes to, to learn something about your health. So take it incrementally. Just because you learn something about yourself doesn't change your life that day. Take an opportunity to learn about your blood pressure, to learn about your risk of diabetes, to learn about your prostate cancer risk. And then once you've learned about it, you can take action or not. And what is the call to action from Dr. Walsh today? Listen, my call to action is simple. It's get connected. If you don't have a healthcare provider, go to uwmedicine.org is a great place to start. Or like I said, look at the back of your insurance card, go on the web. But at uwmedicine.org, you can not only do some research on who you want to see, but you could actually make an appointment. 
And if you don't like being on the computer, just make a phone call, 206-520-5000. Somebody's happy to help you get connected. You know, at the place like the Men's Health Center, we talked a lot today about getting men tied in, um, helping them live longer, having them, you know, trying to, ma- get, get, let's get our stats equivalent to women, uh, just through by being connected and being more healthy. But when it comes to issues below the belt, I would say that's where we really shine. And to add on to what Hunter said, um, there are so many problems that we can actually fix. We can actually cure disease. And it is amazing, the technology that we have and the ways that we can make men not just live longer, but better. And that's what it's really about. We used to talk about lifespan and we want to talk about health span and start that exercise program. That's my call to action. There's never a time when it's too late to come in and be seen and work something out. There's always a solution that we can provide. It may not be the one that you're hoping for, but it's never too late. I think especially for men, that's something that reinforces this desire to stay away. It's too late. They're not going to be able to do anything. That's never the case. Medicine has advanced so much. It's amazing. And that we can offer that to our patients is a real blessing. That wraps up this edition of Men's Health Matters. Our special thanks to our guest, Dr. Hunter Wessels. And remember to send your questions on men's health to Men's Health Matters at iHeartMedia.com. Total confidentiality. Only first names are used. To reach the Men's Health Center at the UW, call 206-598-6358. And you can go online, uwmedicine.org slash men's health center. I'm Neil Scott. On behalf of my co-host, Dr. Tom Walsh, thanking you for listening to Men's Health Matters and wishing you good health and good sense in matters relating to men's health. Stay healthy, live in gratitude, and be kind to one another. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Men's Health Matters with Dr. Tom Walsh, Associate Professor of Urology at the University of Washington and Director of UW's Men's Health Center and your host, Neil Scott, on Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM.